Today, we'll learn from an eight-figure seller just what it takes to make it in the supplement niche today on Amazon. We'll also learn how branding can help you scale and how building relationships are the key cornerstone of wholesale agreements. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and with me, I've got Kevin here from Canada. Kevin, how's it going? I'm amazing, man. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Where about are you, or should I say, where about, or how do you, I don't know how to say, where about are you in Canada? Yeah, I'm in uh, beautiful Vancouver. Like a lot of, there's actually a lot of other FBA sellers that are here, um, and it's amazing. It, it's probably one of the best cities that you could be in for the summertime. It's, it's gorgeous, beautiful, um, and we're having a great time up here. Excellent. Is that where you're from? No, so I was born and raised in Calgary, so kind of up in the mountains. It's kind of like Canadian Denver. Um, but it's too damn cold, man. It's, it's just way too much in the winter. So coming to Vancouver is a great uh, little break from that. So Flames fan or Canucks? Gro- or growing what? up, yes. I mean, I'm not super much, uh, you know, that much a, a Canucks fan at all. But I do appreciate, um, you know, any type of pride behind Canadian teams for sure. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Now, I had you on here because I think you have got a, a unique story. I actually... Well, it was funny when we actually met in person for the first time. This was about a year and a couple months ago at SellerCon in Orlando. And I'm like, man, your name seems familiar. And it turns out, you know, we were in the same kind of mastermind from back in the day on Zon Squad. And it was kind of cool to meet you in person. That was actually the first time I met Paul Miller, another, you know, fellow Zon Squad member over there. I think he might have been the one that introduced us. But the cool thing about you is you have been working for a while in like the supplement space, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And this is something that, you know, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit because the kind of cliche things to say, you know, not just in 2019, but even as far back as early 2018 is like, hey, yeah, there's still plenty of opportunity on Amazon. You can do anything you want other than cell phone cases or supplements. You know, those are too, you know, saturated. But you guys have taken a supplement brand from zero to, I believe, eight figures, right? You guys do yearly? Yeah, yeah. Now we're definitely deep into the, well, not deep, but we, we've surpassed eight figures and keep growing from there. Okay. So what, what's the origin story? Like, was that the first thing, your first venture into Amazon was supplements or did you start with a completely different thing or, or take, take me back a few years? Yeah, of course. So the, it, it was the first thing that we did. It was the only thing that we did. And it's something that we've done for years and years. So I definitely think um, it was a bit of a testament to the mindset of uh, not really knowing what we were getting ourselves into in the beginning, but also having the guts to stick it out. And it was um, an, just an incredible ride. And obviously, anybody who knows anything about the supplement space knows that um, it gets pretty crazy at times. So uh, we didn't quite know that going in. Um, it actually came from a passion where my partner, Jeremy, um, approached me and, and I knew him from uh, before this company. Um, but we're both entrepreneurs and both like go getter, you know, digital marketing type dudes. And it came out of a passion and honestly a personal need um, that we saw in the supplement space to just A, create great products that we could actually trust, um, products that actually show what's, what's inside and try and be really honest and transparent about what is put into the products. And then really trying to focus on a natural element. So not putting in crazy compounds that don't need to be in there, uh, flavoring agents and other random stuff that um, we want to steer clear from. So that was kind of like the premise of 
okay, we want to make a brand that kind of looks and feels like this. And uh, it was through actually Brian Moran, um, who was just getting into the Amazon space and just starting to talk about it, um, who, who Jeremy was friends with before. Um, and that's how we found out about Amazon FBA. So it wasn't, you know, we, we didn't go through the amazing course. We didn't go take any other courses. We just kind of said, oh, people sell on Amazon. Okay, let's see what we can do. And we figured it all out ourselves. It wasn't until after that we started taking courses to understand just what the, the trends on the market were. But it was very, you know, it was a big kind of grand vision of let's try and create a, as big of a company as we can, um, while at the same time being somewhat naive, which worked out great. Um, we, we didn't have, um, we didn't listen to anybody saying, don't do supplements. Um, I know that's recommended a lot to new sellers. Um, I guess whether we, we, we had a bit of luck. What year I, was this when you were ideating the, the Yeah, stuff? this would have been late 2013 um, and launched the brand in 2014. Okay. And then you launched on Amazon USA, Amazon Canada, I mean, or, you know, brick and no, mortar. Or? Yeah, no, it was just amazon.com. We didn't get into Canada until years later. So it was just amazon.com for at least the first couple of years. Okay. And then at that time, were your products manufactured in Canada, USA, or where? So even though we're both Canadian, we live in Canada, we have our head office up here with all these people, most of, or in fact, all of the manufacturing up until just recently with Amazon.ca is all down the States. Um, you know, we wanted Made in America, we wanted FDA approved, and just didn't want to deal with the headaches of importing ingredients um, or products. So um, yeah, we've got products made all over down the straight states with great manufacturers. Okay. And I think that actually makes it easier. Like if you were all manufacturing in Canada, you'd have some like importation and like a whole bunch of, I don't know, not tariffs, but like rules and regulations that you'd have probably had to jump through going either way, made in USA, going to Canada or made in Canada, going to USA, just because it's North America and there's NAFTA and all that other stuff. There are still a lot of requirements as far as the government side, right? When you're talking about supplements. Yeah, there are, especially as you are a bigger brand. If you're just starting out and you're small and you're placing, you know, a unit, an order for 500, 1,000 units, um, I think you can get away with it. Um, you don't really have to worry about the, the regulations as much. And I say that as just it's something that you can do in the beginning to test out. But the problem with if you continue with it, so say if we manufacture in Canada the whole time and import into the States, when we do eventually get big enough, now you start coming up on the radar. So you're going to have to go through additional testing. There might be import fees. Plus, just there's a huge variance in price. So you know what people are pricing ingredients in Canada can be different from the States, even though it's the same ingredient because it comes from a different place. And just there's... There's so many little nuances when it comes to uh, the supply chain that it's ideal if you can have it as close to home as possible. So, um, you know, we sell a lot in California. We ship a lot to California. We have products made in California, which um, California is great in a lot of ways. They're not great in some others like <laughs> taxes and weird yeah. Prop 65 stuff. But, um, you know, if you can if you can geographically make your supply chain smaller, like physically smaller, so the distance traveled isn't as far, it's obviously a lot better for timing, inventory turns, but just makes your life a little bit easier. You're not flying stuff all around the world, um, which I know that you don't really have the luxury to do if you're importing from China. But if you're made in the USA, 
um, you're able to get things a lot closer to home. Yeah, it helps you with your ROI too and your lead times and you don't have to order like six months of inventory at once necessarily and just be sitting on it because you got to order enough for a container or different things like that. So mm-hmm. definitely helps the, the made in USA. Now, you know, for the naysayers out there who say, okay, Bradley, you said that this was going to be about somebody telling us how about supplements, you know, even though everybody says not to, but they started in 2013 where you could sell anything you wanted on Amazon and be successful. But I don't think your guys' products all were launched in 2013, 2014. I'm sure you've launched products in the last couple of years, right? Yeah, actually, in the beginning, we were slow. And the biggest problem, which is a great problem, it's uh, someone, I forget who said it, they, they told me that um, when you can have problems of abundance, um, it's a good thing. So our problem of abundance in the beginning was keeping up with stock. I mean, we would order a thousand, sell out. Okay, let's order twenty five hundred. Okay, sell out. Um, by the time we get more, um, you know, we'd just always be going out of stock. It would hurt our ranking. Um, so first of all, we couldn't even keep up with demand on the existing products, let alone on putting money aside um, and resources in order to launch new products. But eventually, after a couple inventory turns and being a little bit smarter with uh, cash management and just trying to get sales as high as we could, then we got into launching new products. And I think in the first two years, we maybe did six or eight, maybe 10. Um, but the following 20 products were launched all within the last you know, two or three years, which is kind of like the, the new... The, the new version of the company, which, you know, has an office and employees and we've got all these resources and excellent financials and just everything is all behind us. But in the beginning when, yes, it was early um, and it was like the wild, wild west, um, which was great, but we didn't have enough cash to make new products. And even when we did, sometimes we didn't know what we were doing. So we were kind of like testing it and figuring it out. And most of our products back then, I mean, f- for sure, surpassed our expectations. But there were some that just kind of did okay. And in the grand scheme of things, I guess that's all right. Um, but, you know, it's not like every product we have was just, you know, an absolute blockbuster um, that was, you know, breaking down doors. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. Now, let me give you a couple different scenarios. And let me get your kind of roadmap or strategy for each of these scenarios. Let's say, here we've got person A. Person A does not have a brand, all right? They haven't sold offline, online but they have a really good in, like their brother-in-law's cousin runs a supplement, I would, it's not called factories. What, what would you call it? Production facility? <laughs> yeah, like a production facility. Yeah, sure. they run a production facility here in California. They can get really great deals on supplements. And they're like, hey, it's logical. I want to launch on Amazon. So number one, would you even suggest it? Or is it true that just 100%, if you're brand new with no brand recognition, you just probably shouldn't start on Amazon? But if if the answer is, you know, hey, no, there is an opportunity, how would you go about picking like your first products? Like how do you go about finding supplements where there is possibly still opportunity? Yeah, for sure. I, I've, I've thought about this and I think the, the brands that I see that are popping up, you know, uh, seemingly out of nowhere in the last year or two, they're doing incredible numbers. They're, you know, crushing competition. They're, you know, a real kind of shock to the marketplace. And even the ones that do launch and actually end up doing okay, um, just th- they're, they're the ones that are a bit different from the ones that launch and fall flat on their face, which is most. 
Um, and I, the, the difference that I see there is not really with the supply chain. It's not with the quality of the product, though that is important. Um, that's just a numbers game. And like you said, you okay, if you have an in with a manufacturer, okay, that helps a bit because your cogs are going to be lower. But generally why people pick supplements in the first place is even without that relationship, cogs are generally pretty cheap. Margins are great. You can be up at 50, 60% on some products. Let's say you pick something that gives you a 50% margin. So like you're doing great in terms of an ROI. Um, now it actually comes down to branding, knowing how to launch um, efficiently on Amazon. Um, if you've got a big, huge budget, I mean, you can throw money at you know the Amazon game and eventually be successful. But I think it'd be smarter to come in with an in that has a unique brand. There's there's some different language. There's a different take on maybe an existing already popular product. And you're able to use that to get in the hands of people, um, make them go, oh, this is different than all the other 10,000 white bottles out there that, you know, as I'm scrolling through Amazon, mm-hmm. they just pretty much all look the same. I think that's going to take generally a good marketer, but ideally someone who kind of knows the e-commerce game a little bit and can look at the different um, categories and see what's trending and see why products move. You know, I think that's something that I really learned through this company is you, you'll grow a lot for many different reasons. Um, and it's good to know why you're growing and really pinpointing that because you want to be able to obviously duplicate it, but you want to be able to foresee what's coming up. So if you can be really thoughtful and mindful about how you can grow and ideally launch in the first place um, without having too strong expectations um, so that if you do fail, you, you'll be agile enough that you can improve and make it better. Um, then I really think that's the way to go. I think that does take a bit of a, a specialized skill set. Um, launching in, you know, launching a brand new supplement company these days is 100% possible. We see them pop up all the time. Some of them do really great numbers, but from what I can see, there's some momentum behind them already. Either it's um, they've got enough money, they've got the branding experience, or they've got a great team that's able to propel them forward. It's generally not a place that I would see a beginner launching. Though, if you are a beginner, um, taking a look at the space and following it and watching the new brands pop up, seeing what they're doing with the products, look at the reviews, you can learn a lot from that without actually being in the space. Okay, makes sense. Now, Obviously, you probably wouldn't suggest somebody starts off with like Garcinia Cambogia or something like that. So, you know, like I would assume that whether somebody is new or maybe an existing company, you know, an existing brand looking to expand like you guys, what what was your kind of research process? You know, obviously somebody could just go into Helium 10, use Black Box and look in the health and supplements and, and maybe look for a keyword that has pills or capsules to kind of narrow it down and say, hey, show me something that you know, it's making this amount of money or this has this demand or whatever to get to something. But I think in supplements, more than other categories, it's more of a key. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but more of a key to do off Amazon research as far as what's trending in, in, in diets or what's trending in the health world and things like that to find up and coming, you know, trends as far as what people are looking for for supplements. Would that be a correct assessment or, or what's, your, what's your suggestion on how somebody can find something that's not completely saturated like a, a Garcinia or something? Yeah. 
I, I would agree with that. I think on top of that, you do have potential going into something that is that does look saturated, though the way to differentiate is either with incredible marketing and branding, which is one way to do it. I've seen some brands in the space, their products are pretty much the same as everyone else. They might be a little bit different, um, but their branding is great. Their language is spot on. They're, they know exactly who they're going after, why they're going after them, and how the product can help. And I think when you have that marriage, um, people just resonate with the product. It's like if you ask anybody um, who, whether they bought from Amazon or not, like anybody in your family or your friends who aren't crazy health nuts, I mean, they might not have a six pack, but you know, they're kind of interested in health and you tell them like, or, or you ask them, uh, why did you buy this protein or why did you buy this multivitamin? They'll usually say, well, it just, it sounded the best. Or I like this one because it has, you know, this ingredient, which I read on a blog, it's good. Like it's generally, um, there's some connection that people get sometimes it's through an ingredient, which can be recommended to them by a doctor, for example. Um, or other times, they can't even tell you why. They're just like, I don't know, it, the label looked cool. I thought it was great. It's said multivitamin, so I bought it. Um, so I think it, the, the product has to resonate um, from a branding perspective. But then you can also go um, on the quality side. And like, let's say, that, that hookup that you had with your cousin who works at the uh, manufacturing facility, uh, maybe they can get you an ingredient, um, for example, like a vegan version of a fish oil um, or something like that, where you know that there could be demand because vegan is trending a lot and fish oil sell a ton, but it's very saturated. They're all the same and they give you fish burps. Oh, okay. Well, if you could change one part about the product, literally being able to say on the label, vegan, whatever, um, gives you a huge advantage because as long as your product quality backs it up, okay, well, that's the thing that is actually doing the selling for you. There is opportunity in the supplement space, but it comes down to these nuanced things. It's either branding and marketing, or it's going to be something on the supply chain, which can be copied by competitors. And then you run into a different problem there. Um, but I do think that it's possible and doing, like you said, offline research or looking at blogs, or even looking at what's recommended by doctors lately, looking at what a general family doctor is going to recommend for, let's say someone over 50, and then look at those products and see how you could align there. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So what about though, on the flip side, I made a joke about Garcinia Cambogia, but what if you are an existing brand, just haven't sold on Amazon? I think the path is a little bit easier. And the reason why I brought up Garcinia Cambogia is last year or a couple of years ago, I was working at one of the top diet pill companies in all of the US and I, I took over their, their Amazon side and I was like, hey, let's use your brand you know, recognition and let's, let's make a, a Garcinia Cambogia. So I did a little bit about you know, what you're saying about differentiation. I actually added a Forscolin. I think that's, I don't know how, if I'm pronouncing that right, but mm -hmm. Forscolin to it. And then I added, oh, what is this thing that makes you not hungry? What was this? Something that kind of, oh, Konjac, Konjac root. Konjac root, Forscolin, and, and then Garcinia Cambogia, kind of like all in one, which by itself is still not enough really to get you on the roadmap. But what I did was I leveraged the brand recognition, you know, the brand awareness. You know, this is a brand that's on TV all the time and, and is in all the Walmarts and everything. And then boom, I was able to get it to one of their top products. And I, I think it's still just like by itself, it's a six-figure, a six-figure product for them. So, 
you know, what, what advice do you have for people who maybe are a little bit stronger off of Amazon? Like, don't you feel that they do have an advantage that somebody is starting new? And then if so, like, how can they take advantage of this advantage? Sure. I mean, okay. So I, I see two ways. I think if you've got an existing brand and let's say you're doing all right with, you know, I'll, I'll just label all right as doing a couple, like at least a million dollars a year in sales, like something that that's significant. It, you, you're not like a small time operation, but at the same time, you're not one of the big, biggest brands in the world. Um, I think you've got some strengths because you'd already have manufacturing down. You'd already have um, ideally a team. You would have um, customers. You'd likely have somewhat, somewhat of an audience. Um, and you'd have feedback on your products and you'd understand what customers want and what they like about your products and what they don't, um, which I think is all great. And that's a huge leg up on someone who doesn't have that and is just starting. But the other thing that you don't have is maybe you don't have labels or a brand image that's optimized for Amazon. Maybe, you know, if you look at what's on retail shelves, generally the brand name is the biggest item on the label. Um, nothing is usually bigger than that because we're, when you're in store, you're looking for a brand first and the brand recognition has to be really strong to anchor you in. It's the opposite on Amazon. So it's very keyword driven. When you look at a lot of the products in this space or not, um, the keyword is actually the biggest and the brand name is smaller. And that's to anchor people in because they're searching on a, a keyword basis. So if you've got, let's say, 100 SKUs that are selling into retail um, and they're just designed for a different experience, um, you're going to have to do some extra work to get your Amazon game up to the retail game or pass it because your labels are des designed differently. Um, while at the same time, it is such a different space. Like We all know that playing the Shopify game and Facebook ads is... Almost, I wouldn't say it's a completely different skill set, but there's a huge difference between that and Amazon FBA. So let alone doing traditional retail or you know anything that is you know offline in terms of uh, you know a different business model. So I think there are things that you do have going for you, but you're going to have some other challenges and some other hurdles to get over. Um, and that's just the nature of the space. It's, it's so competitive on Amazon. Um, you've really got to be at the cutting edge to be able to make it work. Okay. Now just switching gears a little bit, you've given us some good insights on, on kind of like the supplement industry and do's and don'ts and what you could do. But just in general for Amazon businesses, you mentioned, you know, starting off with just a partner and then eventually now you guys have an office and, and a lot of employees. So what were some of the, the hiccups that you had along the way? Like how, how did you build to an eight figure business? What were some of the roadblocks that maybe you can warn people about or or on the on the flip side it doesn't always have to be doom and gloom. But but some of the really cool things that like once you guys implemented this, oh, my goodness, it it two X sales or something like that. For sure. There, there were a couple and the, and the first two that come up off the top of my head, which are very, very significant for growth because we would grow, grow, grow for a couple months and then hit a plateau for a little bit. Um, and then we fix the problem and then just skyrocket and double again. But then we hit another plateau because it was a different problem. So the two that I'm thinking of is in the beginning, um, it was supply chain. Um, it was figuring out how to get product faster, 
how to balance our cash flow better in order to place the orders. Um, some of it was out of our hands where we just didn't have terms with the suppliers. I mean, as hard as we pushed for them, we couldn't get them, which meant that we couldn't er um, order early enough. Um, and we just had to deal with that reality. So I think as you, um, first thing you want to do is launch and you want to focus on marketing because you want to get a certain level of sales. As soon as you start to see some consistency, start looking ahead three to six months and trying to figure out, okay, well, if we have this much money now and this much inventory and growth continues at this rate, I mean, in three months, we're going to run out and our cash is going to get low. And like you can try and forecast and simulate that way. Um, and then building on that, the second thing that um, through a huge wrench in things, and we had to spend a lot of time fixing was getting, I, I call it financial excellence. And what I mean by that is you need to have your books in order. You need to have proper accounting, proper inventory tracking, proper forecasting, and working with like a good CPA to figure out like, okay, what do, what's the actual health of the business, but then also where are we going? Um, it was, you know, the, the, all the tools that are out there um, are great to look at just from a, a pure sales perspective of, okay, the market's at this level, we could have a product at 100 BSR, we'll sell this much. All that stuff is great. Um, but on the other side, None of that factors in expenses or um, uh, changes in the manufacturing process or all these little nuanced details that come into play when you're actually launching the product and when you're actually selling it. So what we found, um, and Amazon does not do the best job at giving you reports and inventory levels. Um, they make that job really difficult. But I think getting those numbers... By working with a great CPA um, or doing like what we did and, and build out an in-house financial team. Um, and we had a handful of people um, that was their sole job of saying, all right, well, if we've got tens of thousands of transactions every single month, um, you know, we're balancing cash flows, multiple manufacturers, there's cash getting thrown all over the place. How do you be smart and actually act like a real business? Um, and, and treat it like you're growing for years to come rather than this is just a quick thing for us to pop up numbers and sell, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. But even if you do sell, your buyer is going to want great financials and that's going to be something that they're going to want to look at and due diligence. So um, I think either way, you're going to need to have great financials. Okay, that that's a good point, and that's a you know one of the probably reasons for those who know I never really wanted to launch my own private legal product. I I just did consulting and working for other companies, but I hate accounting and I hate that stuff. But yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of necessary. I mean, if you really want to 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 get things done the right way, you you can't understate the importance of of having professionals working on your numbers because whether you're a six, seven, eight, nine figure seller means nothing if you're losing money at the end of the day. So they're the ones who's going to help you with that. So Kevin, like, you know, now we're in 2019. What are your views on, on Amazon in general, like where it's going or now that you have started on, on Canada, obviously it's tiny, probably I would assume compared to what you're, you're doing in, in, in the States, but, but what's your forecast for, for how just in general, you know, Amazon, is going to be for, for people who are looking to, to sell on the platform. For sure. Um, yeah, when it comes to Canada, I mean, I think it's proportional to the population. So 
we're about a tenth of the size ish of the United States. So if you think about it, um, it's a ten percent cherry on on top. So if you're doing ten million um, a year on Amazon.com, aim for a million on Canada. Um, and there's some pretty cool stuff that you can do over there, just because there's less competition right now. I think as more sellers start to you know stockpile cash and and they they want to deploy it and just grow the brand period they'll come over to the platform as well and we've already seen a bunch come over but i definitely think there there's a good amount of opportunity on that platform um and with amazon as a whole i mean i think you know one of the things that kept us sane being in this space for years you know it's coming up on six years now um is the perspective and the mindset and the understanding and and the give and take. The amazing thing about being in the space, and to be honest, Amazon in, in most marketplaces that have volume, um, is you get to learn an incredible amount. You get to see what's working and what doesn't. You get to have the opportunity to play, um, even if you screw something up. I mean, if you get it wrong and you bomb on a product or whatever, as long as you're have enough cash and you don't like bankrupt the company, you can go off and try again. Like there's enough opportunity out there that you can keep pushing and keep going. Um, you know, six years in, like I was, when we launched the company, I wasn't even looking more than two years ahead. So, you know, it's incredible to have a living, breathing company that is, um, you know, just blossoming into something that is much bigger than myself. Um, and it's all because of this, you know, Amazon thing, which I think is really incredible. Then on the flip side, you have to roll with the punches, you know, for a couple of years there, you know, a little while ago around 2016, 2017, like the review takedowns, the TOS changes, just there was a bunch of turbulence within about a two year period, which rocked a lot of supplement sellers. Um, and thankfully we were never suspended we never got a warning or anything. We stayed a bit more conservative there. Um, but there were some brands that we saw get taken down um, just due to what was going on in the platform. Now, um, it, it seems better. It seems like the dust has settled a bit. Um, I know that Amazon does whatever they want, but they do it at scale. So whenever a SmackDown comes, it'll come at some point, hopefully not in 2019. If not, it'll be 2020. They'll make some changes to the TOS or they'll do something that ruffles, you know, seller's feathers. But, you know, that's also the game. Like you're, you're playing on borrowed land. Like you don't, you don't have to sell on Amazon if you don't want to. You're choosing to sell on Amazon. This is the game that's being played and, and you're the little guy compared to them. And uh, you've got you've to kind of roll with it and just stay adaptable um, and not give up. Okay, makes sense. Now, lastly, you guys said you're are eight figures. Is this just on Amazon, or now have you expanded to like brick and mortar at all, or retail other retail outlets? No, so there's nothing in uh, brick and mortar. Uh, everything is all e-commerce. Um, we're an eight figure brand purely just on Amazon, um, but we've got more channels as well. We actually do do a little bit with wholesale though, um, which I think is pretty cool because um, sometimes we get uh, reached out to and. Sometimes like they're, they're, the emails that we get are pretty scammy, but some of the emails we get are completely legit practitioners, doctors, and naturopaths, and a lot of cool people that are just asking uh, you, to, you know, buy the products all up front. 
um, ha- <clears throat> have some in their office that they want to sell to their clients. Um, and that's a pretty cool business because though it's not nearly the volume that Amazon gives you, um, it's, it's basically no risk because they're buying everything up front. Um, they do buy in small quantities, but the relationship is incredibly easy to manage. Um, and then, you know, you get to have these cool people where, you know, there's a guy who owns 10 stores down in Florida, for example, and who buys a couple hundred units a month from you. Um, it's fun. Like you jump on the phone, you talk to them, it's cool. You, you send out the order and, and it's all good. You don't have to deal with customer service or keywords or anything there. So, uh, we do a little bit of that, but, uh, we're definitely, um, doing eight figures on Amazon, um, as well as, you know, e-commerce website, uh, doing some, some cool stuff with, uh, Facebook ads in the future and, uh, trying to keep it really e-commerce focused. Now, how did you get these like, you know, wholesale customers? Do you just, now that you're big, you know, they come to you or do you, do you actually have somebody going out seeking these kind of, these kind of arrangements? Yeah. Well now it's both. I mean, it started from them coming to us. Like they would either be uh, a happy customer and they did buy through Amazon and they were like, Hey, this would be great to have in my clinic. Um, or they would just see, you know, maybe we'd have a product with a bestseller tag or they would be looking for a certain product. And when they Googled it, we showed up. So if your brand has the exposure, um, you know, like I said, some of the emails will be kind of scammy and you'll be able to tell those pretty quickly, but some of them are, are legit. And once you hop on the phone with them, um, you know, they're, they're basically asking to buy product right away. Um, and then you start that relationship and then you can grow it over time. Okay. Awesome. Well, lastly, you know, one, one cool thing is uh, I, I have people on here, you know, who work for companies and, and, you know, they also want to, you know, meet new people, but you, you, you don't have your own course or you don't have a, a software company you're trying to push, but I appreciate you coming on here and taking the time and just dropping these knowledge. But if somebody, and feel free to say no, but if somebody wanted to reach out to you, maybe ask you some more questions or just, you know, kind of network with you, is that possible? And if so, how could they find you? Yeah, of course. I mean, I always love, um, meeting new people in the space and, and connecting with there's, there's actually been a bunch of friends that I've made in the space. Uh, Paul Miller's one of them, um, that are just great people. Um, and I never would have met them otherwise. So definitely appreciate people reaching out. Um, and I am toying with the fact or, or with the idea of doing some consulting. Um, so if you're, if, if anybody listening is interested in that can reach out to me about it, but the best place to do it, it's probably Facebook. Uh, it's Kevin Pasco, P-A-S-C-O. I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. So any of those places, uh, come find me and uh, we can chat. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kevin, for joining me on this show and wish you the best for the rest of 2019. And maybe we'll try and touch bases with you next year and see what new things you've come up with.